0: Official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at WellChurchVT.com. Hey, isn't it great that we serve a God who knows us and gets us? Isn't it great that we know a God who understands us more than Myers-Briggs does? Who gets us more than the Enneagram? Jesus tells his disciples that God knows us so intimately that he's actually numbered the hairs of our head. It's not hard hard for you, Steve. (laughs) I can almost number. But but here's what is impressive. It, it, It doesn't say that he's He's counted the hairs of our head. He's numbered them, and there's a difference. Because if he counted the hairs of our head, he would know that Steve only has 312 hairs <laughs> in his head. Or he would know that I have 10,692. <laughs> but it does, Jesus didn't say he counted the hairs of our head. He says he's numbered the hairs of our head, which means this. Well, you know when you're taking a shower and you lose a hair? Some of you don't lose hair. If, if you lose hair and it's, and it's in that little drain part in the tub, He knows that's hair follicle number (laughs) 13,713. That's how intimately God knows us. And so for the last few weeks, we've been looking at questions that God asks us in scripture. And one thing that I've tried to communicate and we've tried to communicate in this series is when God asks us questions, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He knows us better than we know ourselves, right? When he asks us a question, it's because he wants to relate to us It's because he wants to reveal himself to us, he wants to reveal truth to us, and he wants to transform us. So today, we're going to look at another question that God asks, and he directs this question toward Moses. That being said, I think it's one of those questions that God still asks us today. And the question is this, what's in your hand? And before we look at our passage today, I want to give you a quick synopsis of who Moses was. At the time of Moses' birth, his people, the Hebrew people, had been enslaved and in bondage to the nation of Egypt for over 300 years. And what had happened is the Hebrew people, the enslaved people, had grown so large that Pharaoh felt threatened by them. And so Pharaoh, in his privilege, made a decree to kill all the male infants. And so Moses' family, when Moses was born, when he was an infant, his family hid him. But you can imagine how hard it is to hide an infant, right? For three months, they hid him in their home. Proving more difficult and more difficult as time went by, they decided to put him in a basket and place this baby Moses in the Nile River, which is not exactly the the safest course of action. He could have drowned. He could have come across a poisonous snake. There could have been a crocodile. He could have been discovered by the wrong person. But the family thought it was better than the alternative of getting caught hiding him in a closet at home, because, you know, neighbors talk, right? And so they put him in the Nile, and miraculously enough, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and takes him in as her own son. Now, let me ask you this question How many people in this room have floated by things in your life that should have devoured you? How many of you have brushed up against things in your past, in your past, in your, in your lifetime, where you brushed up against something that should have took you out? It should have damaged you, it should have, it should have ruined you. Maybe it was a divorce. Or maybe you were abused, or or maybe you were mistreated, or your house caught on fire, or you got sick, or you lost a loved one, or you lost a job. How many of you have ever brushed past something in your life, you floated past something that should have took you out, but you're here this morning? And even if you were unaware, that was God pulling you out of that situation, Right? you made it through. And that's worth praising God for. See, the thing that, that happens to us oftentimes is we get so focused on what we've been through that we fail to see that we made it through. And so when you ask somebody, what do you have to praise God for today? And they say, I don't know, i have just going through so much. I've been through so much. See, we have to stop and pause and recognize that, that yes, we've been through a lot, but we made it through. That God reached down, and he pulled us out of that situation. And so what happens is baby Motus here, he's instantly, he wins the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. And overnight, he goes from hiding in a closet to living in a palace. Overnight, he goes from being executed to becoming royalty. As he gets older, like any young person, he needs to find himself. He wants to discover who he is. And he knows this, that by blood descent, he's Hebrew. But his experience is Egyptian. So I want us to pause for a moment before we look at this passage and imagine what that feels like. That by blood descent, you're Hebrew. Hebrew you're, you're part of the Hebrew people, yet they're enslaved to Egypt. And by all of your experience, you're Egyptian. You're, you're a prince of the palace, and you're living in all this privilege. Imagine the tension that's inside of him. The the identity crisis of trying to figure out, like, well, something is not right here. I'm living in privilege and all these people who who I care about are being oppressed. And one day, what happens with Moses, he stumbles upon an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And so Moses intervenes. And all the tension he's living in just causes him to, to react and he kills, he murders this Egyptian. Have you guys ever tried to do something right, but it went horribly wrong? And maybe it wasn't murder, but you, you, did, you were trying to do something right. You felt like, oh, I, I need to do this. It's the right thing to do. And then you, you step in and it just backfires. It just didn't go how you had thought it would go. And that's what happens with Moses here. And so, afraid for his life, he flees to the desert, and he abandons his life of privileges. I can't do that anymore. And so now, both groups of people turn against him. The Hebrews turn against him because, as far as they're concerned, he's Egyptian. He's living off the, their, their backs, and the Egyptians turn against him because he killed an Egyptian. So he goes into the wilderness, and he takes up the life of a shepherd, and he has no idea what his future holds. Talk about just a, a life that goes like this, right? From being executed to becoming a royalty to being kind of pushed out of both, any place where you fit. And he, he's, he's stumbling into the wilderness, and he's going to pick up the life of a shepherd. If you, if you guys ever feel like you're, you're stumbling toward your future? Like you had a plan and it made sense and all of a sudden it was like zig, zag, zig, zag and you're all over the place. Wouldn't it be great if God laid out our future for us? If we knew like, oh man, next year, this is what's gonna happen to me. I gotta get ready for it. And, th- and three years from now, there's gonna be an opportunity and I'm gonna jump through it and everything's gonna be amazing. And then five years from now, is gonna be a challenge, but I'm gonna prepare for it right now. I'm gonna get my friends around me, my family around. Wouldn't it be great if we could see that? But God doesn't do that for us. Because that kind of life wouldn't require any faith. And it's amazing it would be to know it would be a pretty boring life. We wouldn't have to depend on him so much or each other or our friends, except for when we knew something was coming. Instead, what God does is he gives us little glimpses of our future. How many of you guys like puzzles? Only a few of you. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like that too. I think puzzles frustrate me. Have you ever put together a puzzle or tried to put together a puzzle? And it's one of those thousand-piece ones. And, and there's these little pieces, right? And you, see, you grab one little piece, and you look at it, and you're like, I think this is water, but I'm not sure if it's an ocean, a stream, a lake, a river, a pond, a puddle, but I think it's water. And so you kind of set all of those together right in the side. See, oftentimes, I think how God gives us glimpses into our future, kind of like he gives us puzzle pieces. We see a little picture, and we're like, I think that's, I think that's this. I'm not sure exactly like where it fits and what it connects and what it looks like. It's just a glimpse of where we will be while we're trying to figure out where we are. Right? It's just enough to cause us to suspect that, that where we are doesn't define who we are, that there's an image, there's a picture, there's something that God is doing, and we're just trying to figure it out, put these pieces together. Well, for years, this is what Moses' experience is. He's in the wilderness, and he's trying to put the puzzle of his life together, he's trying to figure out, how did I get here? On the fringe, on the, in the wilderness, like taking care of sheep, I was living in a palace, and then they tried to execute me, and, and, and God intervened. And my people are in bondage. What, what am I doing? See, here's the thing about, about puzzles. Um, as a parent, we have these puzzles that for for our little kids when they were toddlers, and they're those those small like wooden puzzles, so like six pieces, right? They're wooden. They're thick. I got handles on them. It's just supposed to make it easier for little kids to put together. I think oftentimes when we go through life, we're like, God, could, could you just give me, the, you know, the wooden kid puzzle? <laughs> I, I, life is complex, and I have these six pieces. I mean, I, I need a handle on it. I just need to see, it, figure out what's going on in my life. But sometimes God says, No, I'm giving you the ten thousand piece sucker, <laughs> because your vision for your life is too small. It's too simple. Sometimes God wants to give us the, the, this image and this beauty, this beautiful future for us, but we just want the, the little, give me the Winnie the Pooh six piece for it. <laughs> God's like, no, I'll have this majestic mountain puzzle for you to put together. It's got sky and, and nature and eagles. It's got this lake and it's beautiful and people are going to be amazed when they see it. And we say, ah, uh, how about, how about it smaller? Well, God knew this, that before Moses could lead an entire nation out of the wilderness, he first had to learn how to navigate his own wilderness. So this is going to be a, this is going to be a wild Moses. It's not going to be a Winnie the Pooh puzzle. It's going to be a 10,000 piece. You're going to be like spending years of your life trying to figure this out and put this together, but I'm going to reveal it to you. And then one day what happens is God shows up in a burning bush and he starts a conversation with Moses. And God tells Moses, I've heard the cries of my people in Egypt. I'm going to rescue them. And I want to send you. And Moses has some questions for God on hearing that. Because, see, Moses realized this, that, man, I tried to rescue a Hebrew once before in my life and it didn't go so well. And now God's showing up and saying, I heard the cry. I'm going to rescue them, and I'm going to send you to do it. That just fills Moses with anxiety, right? And so he has all kinds of questions. He says, well, who am I to do that? What should I tell them? Who should I say sent me? What if they don't believe me? Those are all good questions, right? You ever ask questions like that to God? (laughs) He puts something on your heart. You're like, "Ah, I don't know if I'm the right person for that. What am I supposed to do? How do I do it? Who do I say sent me? What if they don't believe me? But then, God has a question for Moses. And he asked him this, what's in your hand? Let's look at this passage. It's Exodus chapter four, verse one. Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to Moses, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out, took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. So let's break down this question that God asked him, what's in your hand? First of all, God already knew what was in Moses' hand. He knew that Moses was holding a staff in his hand, a walking stick. The reason God's asking him is not because he doesn't know what Moses is holding. The reason he asked Moses what's in your hand is because he wants to reveal something to him. He wants to assure him that he'll be with him, that this time won't be like the last time. Have you guys ever failed at something and then God gave you a second opportunity? I remember one time um, I was a young adult and my pastor had asked me to lead a young adult small group. It was in the summer. I had got done one year of Bible college, and I came back for the summer, and he, he said, hey, how about you lead a young adult small group? And I, I was thinking, yeah, man, I've, I'm a Bible college student now. I've got this. I could, like, teach, and I, I got this. I, it's going to be amazing. It was the worst small group I've ever been a part of. <laughs> I everything I said didn't make sense. I... I, I I was trying to really kind of just do something in my own strength. It was just terrible. And I remember like going back to school thinking, oh man, I'm never going to do a small group ever again. That was just a, a disaster. Well, the next year I came home and my pastor asked me again, hey, what do you think about leading the young adult small group? I'm like, I'm not the guy for that. I tried that once. It did not go very well. But and so he said, okay, oh, that's fine. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. But every time I prayed, I just felt like God was telling me, "Like, how about you don't do that in your own strength? How about you let me do that? And let's see how it goes. See, here's, here's what I've, I've learned in my life. That when God asks you to do something, you're often going to feel inadequate. Why? Because if you could have done it by yourself, you would have. <laughs> right? And what I realized in that time is that God was giving me an opportunity to redeem my past failure, to show me what could happen if I just gave what I had, the little that I had, to him and trusted him. See, there is a reason that our car windshields are bigger than our rearview mirrors. Because if we constantly just looked behind us, we would never get safely to where God wants to take us. Yeah, a lot of us in our lives, that's what we do, right? We fail at something, we say, never that again. We fail at a relationship, I'm like, nope, not for me. We fail at a job or a career, we say, no, I'm not doing that again, I'm going over here. We fail at a ministry or something that we're trying to do for somebody, just goes, Hor- we mean right, our intentions are good, but it just doesn't go well, and we just give up on it altogether. Well, I volunteered, I served, you know, my community once, it did not go well. That's not for me. That's the conversation Moses is having with God here. Second thing about this passage that's interesting is that God didn't give Moses anything special for the enormous task he was inviting him into. Think about this. Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the ancient world, God comes to Moses and he's just in the wilderness. He's just got a stick in his hand and, and he, his life is a mess. He's putting this puzzle together and God comes, hey, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Go tell him, the most powerful man in the ancient world, um, that he needs to listen to you and he needs to listen to me speaking through you and he needs to let all those slaves go. Now, if I were Moses, I would say, okay, God, let's negotiate here. Here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need one of those golden fiery chariots like in the Hunger Games <laughs> where the flames are shooting out of them. And, and, and I'm going to need like a Pegasus with wi- a, a unicorn. I'm going to need a unicorn with the horn and the wings. And I'm going to get in the chariot, God. You're going to fly us to Egypt and you're, uh, land right in Pharaoh's palace. He would be so impressed. With what you have to say. <laughs> That's what I would have said. But God tells Moses, he asks him a question, he says, What's what's that in your hand? What are you holding? See, so he didn't give Moses a, a gold flaming chariot to impress Pharaoh with. He wanted to use what Moses already possessed. If I were Moses, I'd be, come on, God, this is just a stick. And God says, oh, I'm going to show you that it's not just a stick because when I'm with you, it's way more than that. See, I believe this with all my heart, that God loves to use ordinary things and extraordinary weights. He does. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, that he's chosen the foolish things of the world. To confound the wise. It's probably why you and I are sitting in this room. It's one of the most foolish things he could find. (laughs) He's like, We're gonna use all these people here to confound the wise. I'm gonna use a, a stick that Moses carries around to deliver a nation. What if you and I are waiting for golden flaming chariots to come? Well, all the while, God's wanting to use what's in our hands. See, a lot of times in my life, and I think this is the same in yours, is that when we pray to God, we see, we see wounding in the world. We see pain in the world. We see pain all around us in our neighborhoods, our workplaces. We see dysfunction, and we pray, God, could you just, like, intervene, like, do something crazy, just, like, deliver, heal, restore? And we're expecting this grand, magnificent thing, and, and all the while, God's asking us, what's in your hand? It's just a stick, God. What are you, what are you going to do with a stick? It's just, it's just this little thing that I can do. It's just this little, little. Uh, I have a little bit of knowledge here. I have a little bit of passion here. It's just, it's just this. And we're waiting for God to come down in this grand way. And he's all the while saying, what is in your hand? Well, Sometimes I, 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 I think about that as a pastor. I think about our church, right? I think, God, and I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of what Moses did. Like, God, can you just, like, bring revival to Burlington and, and give us all kinds of resources and, 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 and people who, like, love God and we can do amazing things in the city? And then, you know, sometimes, like, we're, we're scheduling volunteers and we don't even have enough to, like, barely get by. Like, I just, I, I just got the staff. Our church only has so much. We only have so many resources, so many people, so many things that we can do. But, but here's, the, here's what I love about this passage, because it reminds us how much God can do with a stick, how much he can do with what's already in our hand, what already we possess. Well, let's move on, because the third thing we notice about this question that God asks about this passage is that, when, the, when Moses throws the staff on the ground, it turns into a snake. And Exodus 4 tells us that Moses ran away from it. I think I would run away too. I mean, that's pretty freaky, right? You have a stick, you throw it down, it's like slithering and moving all over the place. You'd probably run away too. But there's also a, a, a teaching point for us here, right? That oftentimes, you and I, we run away from what is in our hands. Because we're afraid of it. It's a little freaky at times. <laughs> so maybe you have a gift or a talent or a possession or something, and you're like, eh, I know I kind of have this, but I'm a little scared of it. And we run away from it. So what God does is he, he stops him from running. And he says, Moses, pick up the snake by the tail. By the way, that's don't ever pick up a snake by the tail unless God tells you to. <laughs> that will not go well for you. <laughs> You're not supposed to pick up a snake by its tail. And you can imagine, imagine Moses, like, he's been in the wilderness, he's trying to figure out his life, and he has this powerful encounter with this burning bush, and God's speaking to him, and he throws down his staff, it turns into a snake, he runs away, and then God tells him, pick it up by the tail. You can just imagine all the fear in Moses. He's probably, like, uh, probably went to grab it, like, three or four times, right? And it, like, wiggled or snapped, and he's, ah, ah. But he picks it up by the tail and turns back into a staff. You know what the most repeated command in Scripture is? Do not be afraid. What I love about the Scriptures is the Scriptures are full of cowards who find God and start living courageous lives. People like Moses, who God just like is so committed to him You see, here's the thing that um, I see in this story is that Moses faces a lot of fears and insecurities in the call that God has for his life. But Moses also couldn't bear to see his people enslaved. He wanted to see God set them free. See, I think oftentimes we find the courage we need when we put others ahead of ourselves. I think for Moses, he, 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 he said, you know, I, I'm scared to pick up a snake by the tail. I'm scared to go talk to Pharaoh. I'm, I'm scared. I'm out in the desert because I'm scared. Yet God meets him there, right in the middle of his fear. And he gives Moses the confidence and the courage to f- confront his fears. Because there's a people that are in need. I wonder who's waiting for you and I to take that thing up by the tail to take that thing that's in our hand and just trust God with it and use it. I wonder who's waiting for us to find the courage to be able to do that. Well, Moses has some huge concerns. Let me just read a couple more verses and we'll wrap things up. Exodus chapter four, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? More questions from God here. Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. (laughs) This is Moses' way of saying, hey, God, thanks for the neat trick about the staff. That's super cool. I'm going to use that to freak out my family tonight. <laughs> but you got to send somebody else because, because I have a stuttering problem. I have a speech impediment. I can't, I can't deliver your message. See, Moses didn't know that God is a master at taking messy stuff like stuttering and speech and, and using it to deliver his message, his good news. And so Moses comes to God with a good excuse. It's similar to you and I, right? We have our own excuses, Say God, you know, if I just had more time in my schedule, I, I, I would I would do what's in my hand, and you know, uh, I, I would listen and, and obey that. Or if I just had more finances, I would be able to give. But you know, um, I just have a little. I just have this. Or you know, I, I would encourage other people, but I'm just going through a really really difficult season in my life, and uh, I just I, I don't have enough right now to, to encourage somebody. See, here's what I love about this passage so much. Because it reminds me of what God can do with a stick and a stutter. He says, I'm not going to pick, I'm not, I'm not going to pick, I'm not going to have Moses fly down in this golden flaming chariot with, with this really cool radio voice from public radio. And, and it'll, just, it'll echo it through the Pharaoh's chambers and really impress him. I'm going to use him because he's afraid He's got this staff in his hand and he, he, he stutters because God knew this. The people didn't need to see a leader like that. They needed to see God like that, who could use just the simplest things that he's put in our hands, the simplest giftings and abilities he's given us so we could give all the glory to him. So let me ask you this question. What's in your hand? What do you already possess that God wants to use to bring hope, deliverance, and healing to a hurting world? Maybe, maybe you, like me, you know, our tendency, I think, is to belittle what's in our hand. Maybe you're, you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really have anything for God to use. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Maybe it's a house or an apartment. Do you know that the, the words hospital and hospitality come from the same Latin word, and they both bring healing? And you might say, Adam, my house and my apartment is just, just small, it's not, it's nothing really big. Listen, your little house, your little apartment, to the lonely heart, it's a palace. And you could say, well, I don't have anything to give, you know, and, and you're sitting in your apartment in your house and you're praying to God, I don't really have anything, and he's saying, what? Well, what, 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 do you, what do you? Where are you right now? What do you have in your hand? What do you have to give? What do you have to offer to the Lord? Stop making excuses for it. Stop belittling it. Maybe it's a sense of humor. My 13-year-old son Joshua—he he has special needs, and some people call him disabled, right? Because he can't do a lot of things that other kids his age can do. He's 13, and we're still working on like toilet training, and and he 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 doesn't can't do some of the things that kids his age can do. But one of the many abilities that he has is to make people laugh. And he brings so much joy to our family like nobody else in our family could do. Listen, if my 13-year-old son Josh has something in his hand, you do too. Are you excusing it away? Are you running away from it? Or are you saying, okay, God, okay, I'm going to take this thing by the tail, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it. Maybe the thing you have in your hand is time. Maybe you just don't have a lot of obligations. You, you just have time in your life, and you can serve, and you can volunteer Maybe it's a skill set or an ability that, you, that you've been dismissive of because you have an ability and you see somebody else's and it's a little bit shinier. It's a little bit more polished. You say, well, why would God use, use me? I'm not as good at that. He probably used that person. They're really, they're really gifted. Well, God likes to use things that aren't perfect and polished. Look at this story. Look at this passage. Moses' life is just a, a wreck. He has no self confidence. He has no idea. He, he's, he, he resists God on every level. God says, Why would I use somebody perfect to apologize? That's no fun. Use <laughs> you. Let me give you close by this, I'll give you a few pointers for answering God's question, because he's going to ask you this question if he hasn't already asked you this question, I guarantee it, because he loves you too much, he's committed to you, and and he wants to relate to you, he wants to transform your life, he wants to reveal himself to you, so he's going to ask you this question. What's in your hand? Let me give you a few pointers. Number one, when when he asks you that question, name what you have, whether it's an ability, a talent, a resource, an experience, and don't belittle it. Don't belittle it. Two, give thanks for it. You'll be surprised how far that goes when, you, when you, you just take the little that you have and you give thanks for it. You'll be surprised how that goes. We're not used to that in America because we're used to complaining about the things we have and always wanting something we don't have. You say, oh, you know, I don't have much to offer. I don't have a great job. I don't have a great community. I don't have great skills and... I have to share an apartment I don't even have my own apartment. Oh, what can I grab? Thank him for what is in your hand. Watch what happens to your life when you start to be thankful. Three offer what's in your hand to God. a lot of times it's so weird how God works because you know how like God gives us blessings and we're, wide, we're, we're all of us are usually in this place in life. At one time or other, we're like, God, I'm just going to serve you. I'm going to give you everything. Everything I have is yours. I'm gonna... And then he gives us stuff. And we're like, oh, yeah, I don't. Uh, we start becoming protective. So, like, the blessing God gave us ends up, like, sometimes keeping us from giving ourselves to him. Especially in the Western church in America, right? Because like, we just have so much affluence. We just have so much. And so we, 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 we're, we spend all our time protecting what's in our hand and God's saying, what would happen if you just offered it to me? What could I do with that? Four, put away your excuses. When God asks you the question, what's in your hand? Put away your excuses. And then finally, reflect on your experiences. See, here's, here's something I've learned. What's in your hand, whatever it is, will make more sense when you discover where your joy intersects with the world's pain. See, here's here's what it was for Moses. For Moses, his joy was finding out his identity. He's Hebrew, but he's Egyptian. He's running. He doesn't know who he is. He just wants more than anything. Just who am I? His greatest pain was seeing his people be oppressed. And what was in his hand made sense where his greatest joy and the world's greatest sorrow intersected. And God said, that's where I'm sending you. You're going to feel ill-equipped, or you're supposed to. Because <laughs> if, you, if, if you could have done it by now, you would have. And I'm wondering if there's people here who are just kind of at a place in your life or your relationship with God or you're, you're in with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers, with your fellow classmates, and, and, and maybe you're in a place where um, you're just given up because you tried something and it just didn't work out. And God's visiting you this morning and saying, hey, what's that in your hand? What if you didn't belittle it, you thanked me for it. You offered it to me. You put away your excuses. You find out where your joy and the world's sorrow intersect, and, and you just listen and see what I can do with it. So we're going to close here. And I got something for you all. I'm going to have my friends kind of pass this around. I got a little stick. It's a bamboo stick. It's hollow in the middle. And, and it, I'm giving it to you to represent Moses' staff that little stick in your hand. And so can we get a couple people to help with that? And so I'm also going to give you a piece of paper and a pen. Here's what I want you to do. Take the piece of paper and write down what's in your hand. What are the possessions, abilities, talents, experiences that you already possess that God has given you? And I want you to write that down on the piece of paper. Then when you're done with that, roll it up, really small, and stick it right side in, inside the hollow bamboo stick. And then I want you just to hold it in your hand. And we're going to worship while you, while you do that so you have some time. Does that sound like a, a good plan? And then after we worship together, um, everyone's going to hold what's in your hand, and I'll lead us in a prayer. Does that sound good? Everybody understand? If you don't remember the directions, ask your neighbor. As long as they're not, like, playing drums with it or something, they're probably on track what to do. Why don't we stand up and we'll worship together. We'll have the worship band come up. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community.